You're on with Barbara. Hey, 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 it's me, Barbara Corcoran, and this is 888-BARBARA. That's right, it's time to answer all your burning questions. From the boardroom to the bedroom, nothing is off limits. So listen up for some advice on how to live your best life. Each week, I'll be answering all your burning questions, and sometimes I'll be asking them too, interviewing some of the greatest folks I know to learn the secrets of their success so I can share them with you. So this caller has been told his whole life that he's very, very funny. He should be a comedian. Uh, Let's see what happens when he takes people up on that. Whether you're a working mom with kids and burning the candle on both ends, or whether you're a stay-at-home mom, tell you what these two groups of moms have in common. Guilt. No one thinks they're doing the right thing. We're going to talk to a lady today who's between and betwixt, and I think I have some good advice. Hi, Barbara. My name is David, and I would like to be a comedian. I'd like to know how I can monetize this early on when I don't have any social media following, never performed a show, and I'm not sure I'm very funny. Can you please give me some advice on how to monetize my career? I hear comedians don't make a whole lot of money early on, even if they do have a following and they are funny. So it's an uphill battle, but I believe in myself. Please call me back. I'll do my best to answer, but I'll be practicing my comedy at the same time. Hey, David. Hey, I'm doing fine. I've never had a comedian call, and I loved it. I'm like, oh, good, a comedian. Thank you. I'm a, I'm a wannabe comedian, but my whole life people say you should be a comedian. So 47 years into that comment, I thought I would embrace it. Okay, well, good for you. Uh, give me your best joke. You know, I'm, I'm still putting my act together, but it's uh, probably about traveling on airplanes, and you're sitting there, and you're jockeying for every square inch of, of leg room, and <laughs> the guy next to you doesn't uh, even need the space, but he's got his legs a little wider than he should. And then you're trying to get that spot back and you're just jockeying the whole time, like a strategy when you should just be enjoying the flight. So uh, a lot of travel humor probably mixed in. Did that. Yeah. Have you ever seen Marvelous Miss Maisel? It's one of the hit series on TV right now. I've seen the first three episodes. Yeah. I don't know if in the first three episodes, she showed us at the comedy club at night and how she failed miserably and she had to keep practicing and practicing and measuring her jokes and how long or laughs she would get to each joke. And she would really sharpen her trade. Have you seen that section of that yet? I saw part of that. And yes, I, I definitely seen the previews knowing that it is a calculated science behind it, even though comedians that are good make it look easy. I know it's not easy. Yes. Yeah, like anything. That's uh, when people say I'm really good at something. It's I, I like just think to myself, yeah, I practice five million times. That's why I look good. Yeah, yep. You make it look easy. Okay. You'd like to be a comedian. Is this something like you want to switch courses uh, right away? You know what it is? Your whole life, and I know it doesn't come across funny when I'm on the spot because I haven't perfected it, but literally my whole life people go, you should be a comedian. So unless it was like a backhanded compliment like we're laughing at you not with you you always hear that but but i've been in sales my whole life i own a company that does mail order brownies on the side i'm like why not pursue this other uh, dream and um i'm just deciding if i think there's a business there you know yeah okay there's a business of making money as a comedian i think if you find out if you love it 
and people love you, you won't have to worry about whether there's a business there or not. It will become a business. I think that's how life is. You know, you really, really love something and you get good at it. Life has a way of finding you and rewarding you. And the money takes care of itself. I really believe that in all occupations. And being a comic, I don't think would be any different. Have you tried your hand on any stage with a group of people staring at you and trying to make them laugh? No, that's the next step. I actually had about five years ago signed up for an open mic night at a local improv. They literally canceled it right before we were going on because they didn't have enough turnout for the paid show. So that's the closest I got. And it kind of set me back going, okay, maybe there's a message in there that it got canceled, but I'm ready to sign up for something local here in Phoenix and just see what I can get a reaction from and and learn from that. Okay. I'm going to talk to you straight because that's very telling, that story that you just told me, probably more powerful than anything else I could ask you about. All right. I think to succeed at anything, you have to put your heart and soul in it, but you have to put your feet in it too. I think the idea that you had an improv five years ago that was canceled and you're thinking of going for another improv five years later, you'll never become a comedian. You'll never succeed as a comedian unless you step up your game like 5,000%, okay? For example, if you said the improv was canceled, so I drove 60 miles to this city because I heard they had an improv and they rejected me, and then I went to this town and I got an improv and I'm going to go. That kind of fever to be heard is what you're going to need if you're going to succeed at all in anything, and especially in a rejection business like being a comedian. There's got to be, within three hours of where you're living, uh, probably three improv nights this week. I don't know where they are, but there's got to be. They're so popular. You have to cut your teeth right away and as often as you can on a live audience because you're going to find out if you're funny. I agree 100%. It's getting out there, and I think I've overanalyzed it thinking I'm going to have the perfect jokes written. And I think there's truth to writing good jokes, but at some point it's getting out there and seeing if I can handle the crowd and the rejection. And there's not going to be a laugh at every joke, but hopefully there's enough laugh to keep going. You know what I hope? I hope you get out there in front of a live audience and you fall on your face. And I would wish that for you because it's going to teach you that you're up against a tremendous challenge. I think it's one of the hardest occupations in the world to be funny, really on call, right? But if you can fall on your face, it's probably going to kick you in the ass and it's either going to say, forget it. I'm really not funny, which I don't think is probably the case. I imagine if people have told you that your whole life, you're probably a very funny guy, but I think it's going to get you to go or go home one or the other. There's no other way, no other way to test it. None except to get out there in front of a live audience. No, I agree. It's a dynamic. Okay, yep. you, you agree, and now you got to go out and agree with your feet. I will do it, and I'll uh, once I fall on my face a few times and, and get better, I'll, I'll send you a copy of the show. How's that? You don't even have to go that far. All I want you to do is send me a quick text or email when you fall on your face, and the message should simply be, one down, next one coming. That's Perfect. it. Boom, boom, boom. Rack it up. Hey, I want to just tell you one little vignette that happened in my life of believing I should try every experience that opens itself to me. Everyone in my life since I was a kid says, you're so funny. Nobody went so far as saying you should be a comedian, but I would think, I bet I'd be a good comedian. And then I was a comedian and they saved me for the final act for a charity because everyone in that room kind of knew me and knew how funny I was. And they saved me for the grand finale. And when I got up there, I was so bad that people booed me off the stage. It wasn't like I don't have persistence, but I learned that I'm not a comedian. Never be up there. One of the worst experiences of my life. I'm sure deep down I I fear the same, but I don't want to have any regrets. So 
truthfully, I don't know if I'm cut out for this, but I'd like to find out. And the way to do it is like you did it is go out there there. and reaction and what feeling you get. And in my case, I'll give it multiple tries. And if I don't love it, I won't do it. Okay. You remember what Jerry Seinfeld famously said when he was a comic? What's that? I'm so happy. I know something about comics that you don't know. He said, first off, you have to be funny. So you find that out. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I would give myself a quick deadline, six months to try out as many gigs as I could possibly get my hands on and be willing to fail for those six months. And you'll know if you should be doing it or not, not because of your failure, but you'll see where your steam is or where I it's agree. Oh, good advice. Thank you. Good luck. I appreciate it. I love you, Thanks David. So Go out there. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Barbara. My name is Alyssa and I am in Nashville, Tennessee. I was just calling to see if you had advice. I recently had a large career change as I was in my senior year of nursing school and I hated it. It was miserable. I dreaded going every day. It was not where my passion lied and I finally had the courage to leave. However, I now want to venture into real estate, but I do have a family. I have a husband and a one-year-old daughter. So I was wondering if thought that it was possible for me to go into real estate for one and be successful? And two, where would I even begin? First off, let me tell you, I think it's great that you moved so quickly realizing before you got way deep in that you didn't like nursing and bailed out. You know, a lot of people just don't have that courage, especially after what is a tough education, not so easy to study and become a nurse. And then to just give it up because you realize already through the little exposure you've had as a practicing nurse or a training nurse? What what is the right terminology there? Yeah, I guess it would be practicing because we were in our clinical rotations and such. And, and I had actually been on this career path since high school. So I've had oh, experience boy. since then. It was a long time coming. <laughs> yeah, a long time coming, but not a long time for you to get out of it. Bang. I don't like this. I'm not going to do this, right? Yeah. And it was uh, tough with my family as well because they were really supportive, but they want me to be successful, which I definitely understand. But They just need to realize that my successes can come in another area. Oh, without a doubt. My first question is, what didn't you like about the nursing? I'm curious. I don't know if like necessarily job stability is what drew me into it because I'm a very caring person. I'm very compassionate and empathetic, I believe. So that's something that just really drew my eye to nursing and helping other people. But it's a lot more than that. It's a lot just more than helping people. Well, what was the more part of it that you just didn't care for? I don't know. I couldn't find my passion in going there and seeing all these suffering people. And, and honestly, I'm I'm not even good with blood. Uh, that's a basic, right? <laughs> exactly. So even the practicing IVs, that alone kind of like, okay, well, I'm definitely way out of my comfort zone. It's not so comfortable. Mm. And that's a large part of nursing. So now let's pause for a moment and say we're turning a page. And now you've had your fancy caught by the idea of becoming a real estate agent. Yes, ma'am. What is it that attracts you to that field? Why were you starting to think about that? Well, I've learned that I am a very hard worker and I'm driven and I'm also an overachiever. Mm. (laughs) So I was trying to find a career where I could be an overachiever for myself. Right now, I work for a company and I can do all I can for them, but it's not going to benefit me. It's going to benefit them. You're talking about nursing again, right? Is that what you mean? Actually, I have an intermediate career right now just to have money. But Mm -hmm. so real estate is something I figured that one, I have a lot of passion in my home and homes in general. Mm. So I knew that it sparked that creative joy for me. And like I said, I'm just very driven. So if I can work for myself to provide for us on a a basis that's on my own. I think I'd be more successful. You're a very clear thinker. Thank you. (laughs) 
It's great. May I ask you, a must you provide for your family? What does your husband do? Can he provide for you and he for your does. daughter? He is a gas line locator. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I believe where we live, uh, it's not enough to provide for one family on one income. Mm-hmm. Could he provide for you for nine months if he had to? Yes, he actually just did that. I actually just went back to work after having my daughter, Luna. Mm. And Luna's your first and only child, right? Yes, ma'am. And he did support us. The reason I'm asking about nine months is because I made my career recruiting, training, and motivating salespeople my whole life. That's what made me rich. I had a brokerage firm my whole life. Running a firm and financing a firm and watching salespeople over the years, I must have hired 5,000 salespeople, probably fired 4,000 of the 5,000. I have to say that I know what the MO is, what the typical routine is, and what percentage of salespeople actually make money and how many of them do not. Four out of five salespeople never make a career when they enter real estate. So the odds are against you if you want to be a salesman. That might sound negative, but I'm going to address that in a minute as it pertains to you or if it pertains to you. But the other piece of it is that I found that for someone to succeed in real estate, go into it as a new game, they needed to be assured that they didn't need money for nine months. I started to really not hire people unless they had that assurity because I found when people really had to make a deal right away, right away, right away, they went in with sweaty palms. They were too much in a rush. Buyers could sense it. They didn't like it. They didn't do enough preparation to become good at what they did. Whereas if someone went in very aggressively and had a nine month run where they knew they could pay their bills for nine months, I generally found that that was essential for success. And that's why I said to you a minute ago, can your husband pay for you for nine months? And you said, yes. You could actually live with your husband's income, supporting your family for nine months. And that is exactly what you need in real estate sales to go into it. So that's good news. Let me tell you why I think you would be phenomenal in real estate sales. Okay. Number one, right out of my gut. And I'm going to tell you if I had to analyze my gut and put labels on things, uh, what you've said that I really like. Number one, you have a beautiful voice. As weird as that might sound. In real estate, it's essential because so much of your conversation and interaction is actually over the phone. I mean, a lot is done by email, but the connecting to people and the communicating with people, that voice is key. So having a beautiful voice is a really great leg up. Okay. It doesn't guarantee success, but when you have not a pleasant voice to listen to, people don't want to work with you. I've seen that over and over again. That's so encouraging to hear. Thank you very much. So lovely. And also you described yourself as a hard worker and overachiever. And you even said the magic words to me, and I'm paraphrasing, you said something about, I'd like to achieve for myself. Some people might say, oh, that sounds a little greedy. I say, that sounds aggressive. And if you're going to succeed in real estate, you've got to have that aggressive gene, that competitive gene that you want to do better than the next guy, or you don't succeed. It's not like an extra bonus, like the voice. It's an essential You have to have that wired into you, just wired into you. You can't fake it. You want to succeed. You're going to work your buns off, do what it takes, and you want to get the credit for your own success. I don't see that as greed. I see it as fair. I'm going to work like crazy. I'm going to get a success and I want the credit and I want to be rewarded for it. So I heard that edge in you, which I always call the killer instinct. And probably from someone as nice as you, maybe not like the label killer instinct because people are too nice, <laughs> but I call it in New York style killer instinct. You know, that's you, you want to get there. Okay. The other thing you said is homes bring you joy. If you said, I love decorating, that's the worst sign in real estate. Don't go there. But you 
you said, homes bring me joy. Another great sign, homes bring you joy. And now I'm going to tell you how you should get involved in the business to begin with, because I don't want you to go again and spend a lot of time in real estate only to find out you don't like it, kind of like what happened with nursing. You're better off getting a bite of it and a taste of it on the front end and not spend that much time if you decide you don't like it. I think you're going to love it. But you should look up every top agent in your neck of the woods, like within 30 miles. Who are the top agents? You can find them online. They brag about their success. I think you should write a short email or drop off a handwritten note. And even better than both of those, drop by the offices and introduce yourself to the agent. And this is your line. I'd like to go into real estate sales. I have my real estate license, which is easy to get. So much easier than a nursing degree. Okay. You're going to take care of that right up front. It's hardly an investment of time or money. Go up, walk into their office, ask if they're in. If they're not in, leave them a note or tell them you're coming by email or ask for an appointment. However you choose to do it is fine. You should say, I'd like to work for you for free. You're one of the top agents in the field. I will be a slave. I'll make the appointments. I'll sit at the open house. I want to work for you for three months because I really want to learn from the best. And you know what happens if you do that? You really get smart super fast in real estate. The best training in the world. To be in the presence of a superstar. You're going to see how they pitch, how they manage their appointments, how they manage their time. You're going to see how they close a deal, the magic of the business. You know, what high pressure do they use? No, no, no. Great agents don't use high pressure at all. Uh, They use their personality and you can watch what they do and you could do your version of it three months hence. And then you'll make your first deal, not in six months. You'll make your first deal in three months, another three months to close and you're up to your nine months. You'll be well on your way. And then the other bonus in working for free for an agent, and many of them will insist they pay you a minimum wage, which is, I would say take, okay? But mm-hmm. if you're working for free, great agents always have more work than they can handle. They're usually in the higher price end of any market because they make more money there. But they always have the kids of their high-priced customers wanting smaller homes, and they don't want to work with them. So they give you their exhaust business. They spin off that business. You take this, you take that. And what that does is it provides you a base for your own real estate business. So no matter how you look at it, in my book, it's the only way to start in the real estate business. That is so ingenious. It's not genius, but it will. But you know what else? Uh, You will enjoy the heck out of it. If you're going to sit at a desk in a training program with eight other agents learning the field, you'll probably succeed, but it's going to take you a lot longer. And you might even decide you don't like the business from that perspective, but get out and play in the traffic, like boom, get in there. You're in the throes of things with a top agent. If you don't love it right away, you could leave it. I think you're going to know right away, this is for me and I want to be like her when I grow up, which is only going to be in nine months time. And I love that we had that nine month goal on there because that puts like a realistic timeline that I can look at and look forward to achieving these goals. Yes. And what are you going to do about your daughter? It's not a part-time business real estate. Exactly. And I know myself and I know that I'm going to involve my brain much of my days into it. So we have a partial daycare right now that she's in while I'm at work. So we're going to continue with that. It's only a four children daycare. So I like that she gets one-on-one attention. That's like a dream. Yeah. I'm just nervous. Do you think that I'll be able to still achieve my successes in real estate now that I have a family? To give you a straight answer on that, it will affect you, no doubt, in your career, you know, because your heart's divided. And whenever your heart's divided on anything, you can't do as well in either 
portions as you'd like, right? So you'll feel guilty when you're at work and you'll feel guilty when you're with your daughter, not at work. That's the crux of it for every working mom in America. You never feel peace with that, except to give yourself the compliment that misery loves company and every other woman in America is feeling the same way. Real estate is a full-time business. You cannot succeed unless you really give it your heart and soul, but you can have children. And so many women come into real estate because they feel the flexibility to be able to go to the school games and weave their schedules around their children. It's not entirely true, but it's half true. So you get half (laughs) of what you want. I would ask myself that serious question, can I make a full-time commitment to any job that's on a commission basis? Because if you can't do it full-time, it's impossible to really do well. And you'll be frustrated if you're an overachiever and a hard worker. I stayed home for 10 months with my daughter at first and it almost drove me nuts. (laughs) I am an overachiever and I think I just need to be out in the world. I'm just not the stay-at-home mom type, I think, unfortunately. Don't say unfortunately. Fortunately. (laughs) Why would you just want to be a stay-at-home mom if you could be a mom and have a great career? I take both. I'm all for it. Yeah, power to the ladies that can. (laughs) You got it. You're one of them. Okay. Well, nice speaking with you, Alyssa. Good luck and let me know how you do. Thank you very much. My pleasure. And that's all the questions we have time for today. I hope you found the advice helpful. Think I got it right? Think I got it wrong? Have an idea for a great guest? Come on, give it to me. Tweet me at Barbara Corcoran using the hashtag 888Barbara and keep those questions coming into the 888Barbara hotline. You can subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't be coy. Leave a review for the show at Apple Podcasts and keep the party going on. We'll see you next time. 888 Barber is produced by Sandy Smolens for Audiation. And Lila Mann is our executive producer. Audiation.